everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. We are really excited today to be here to talk more about Disney+. Plus. This is our second episode that we have done where we're trying to profile hidden gems that are, are, aren't as famous on uh, Disney+, Plus uh, in the curated or new section, depending on uh, what you pick, and, uh, and have a good discussion about it and try to get you to go pick uh, some of these lesser known films so i am film critic rachel wagner and my friend ryan cam is here hey rachel thank you so much for having me here again uh it's uh it, it's good to hear your voice and good to be talking about disney plus because it just seems like everything has been put on hold for the yeah. foreseeable future like I, all the movie theaters are closed and i'm totally not going through withdrawals like right now right. why do you ask <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, this is totally normal. We're completely used to it. <laughs> we are all the dog in the room that is on fire. Like, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that, that's all of us right now. Yeah. I mean, so have you had a chance to watch anything on Disney Plus in the last uh, week? I was actually watching uh, watching African Cats with my mom, which we talked oh, yeah? about briefly in the last episode when you were talking about chimpanzee. But since I've really had a lot of time on my hands, I was able to touch on a lot of stuff that I grew up watching and some and a couple of ones that I was able to that I remember watching a long time ago, but was brushing up on. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. Uh, did you have a standout of those ones you were watching? Well, my first one may be my favorite of the group that I watched. Uh, I was I hinted in last in the last episode that I was going to talk about a sports movie because you oh. brought up the Queen of Catway. Well, the sports movie that I was alluding to was the greatest game ever played. Oh. Uh, this was released in two thousand four. It was directed by Bill Paxton. Yes, the Bill Paxton that you're thinking of, the guy that <laughs> yeah. was Hudson and Aliens and was in Frailty, and he had a long and lengthy career and recently passed away may he rest in peace <clears throat> so this is one of your five that we're going to talk about yes. today cool very good i i did watch uh the um uh fun and fancy free which is going to be the uh the talking disney episode for this week with my friend stanford it's going to be on there but uh but then i also also for a podcast i finished watching the high school musical the musical the series <laughs> that series is so weird <laughs> it's really weird um but it, <clears throat> i think that it's really well cast uh they did a great job with i really liked the singing yeah they did a, the the singing is good the casting is really good so it's pretty charming i actually enjoyed it uh but the conflict and some of the writing could be better uh, so, I will give you. I will give you that. It's just every yeah. time I would, I would, I was watching the series. I had to take myself out of it and be like, "Wait a minute!" So, High School Musical was a real thing, and so if that's the case, did like Troy and Gabriella end up getting married? Like they were alluding to, no, and well, I just fell down a High School Musical fan fiction rabbit it's, hole. And, it's it's not a real thing in the sense of that the characters are real. From high school musical it's just that in this world high school musical was like in this world zach efron 
and Vanessa Hudgens and all that. It's all, it's basically like, just like our world, except for they have this, this group that also goes to East high, like, like the characters in the movie and they are, which is a real thing. And it's, it is by my, it's pretty close to my house, about 30 minutes away from where I live is East high. And, uh, and then uh, they're putting on the musical, but there's some other, there's some weird things about it. Cause like the, the musical isn't the same as the actual musical. Like for instance, Sharpay isn't really hardly a character at all, which is weird. She's anyway, barely mentioned. Barely mentioned. Yeah. It's strange. And they like kind of morph her. They, they, they swap gender swapper, which would be fine but they kind of eliminate her in the process it's very weird and there's other just weird choices that it's like it's sort of like this quasi version of high school musical is actually a musical but it's not like <laughs> especially in the uh in the finale or what in the one of the later episodes they have a cameo from uh the guy who played ryan i can think of his name all of a sudden uh, but, Lucas Gabriel. Yeah, Lucas Gabriel. He, he, and yet, in the actual musical that they're putting on, he's kind of eliminated. <laughs> like he's like bare. She, he doesn't even have a named actor who's playing him. Like it's just like he's basically eliminated from the story. And yet, he has you know, a cameo. Like if I was gonna always, have a, people, I was gonna have a, talk about justice for Han in the Fast yeah. and Furious <laughs> movies. We need like justice like, for Ryan. Uh, well, especially if you're going to have that actor have a fairly extensive cameo with a song, you'd think that you would plan out your story so that that, so that Ryan in the musical is a character. Like, it's so weird. But nevertheless, <laughs> it One more is... <laughs> note. One more note before we move on. Uh, I was just thinking about it. And High School, the musical, the musical, the series, say that five times fast, <laughs> is kind of like if... The Breakfast Club, the movie The Breakfast Club, actually happened. Someone turned it into a stage play, and it was being hosted at the same school where it took place. Yeah, and they well, turned a TV series into it. Yeah, it would. It would be like the group from. It would be like a group that went to the high school from The Breakfast Club, putting on a play that's kind of like The Breakfast Club, <laughs> and. Uh, so it's it's a it's weird, but they like I said, the music is pretty good, especially a song called "Wondering," a great song, uh, and the uh, the casting is very good. And I do really appreciate that they actually cast teenagers. It's not like Glee, where they all look like the thirty five. Uh, it's actual... not like the original Spider Man, where Tony, yeah. where Toby McGuire is clearly in his early thirties. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. These these are actual teenagers, which I very much appreciate. And so, anyway, if you're interested to know more about High School Musical, the musical, the series, check out On Homeworkies podcast because we're going to post that. Uh, this we've already posted the first half, episodes one through five, discussion. And now on Wednesday, we're going to post the second half episodes, uh, six through 10, uh, on, uh, on the podcast. So I'll put a link down in the description. You check that out. Uh, but anyways, that's some of the things I've been watching on Disney plus, but so we're going to talk about, uh, our hidden gems that you should, you should check out. 
And uh, so you already said your first one. So the greatest game ever played. That right? is correct. Yeah, I actually have never seen this one. So that's that's really interesting to me. Oh, well, it's, uh, it's in my opinion, one of the better uh, sports movies that Disney uh, put out from like the late 90s all the way up yeah. to like the early to mid 2000s into the 2010s. Uh, this movie's always had a very special uh, meaning for me because I'm actually a golfer. I still oh, yeah. golf fairly frequently to this day. And so I, I knew a little bit about the story of Francis Wimette and the 1918 U.S. Open, but in movie form, it was just brought to life. And The Greatest Game Ever Played is about an amateur golfer named Francis Wimette, who is a cad, who was a time, who was a caddy at the Brookline Country Club where the 1918 U.S. Open was to be played. And at that, and at that golf tournament, he defeated what was considered to be the greatest golfer in the world, Harry Varden, basically the Tiger Woods of his day, and he became the first amateur to win uh, the U.S. Open Championship. And this movie is really fascinating for a number of reasons. I love it so much. Uh, I could do an entire video about the character arc between Francis and his dad, but I'll save that for another time. But uh, what makes the movie interesting is 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 you see the dynamic between the amateurs and the professionals because in the movie golf is seen as a gentleman's game meaning that you had to be of a certain amount of wealth in order to participate and the rest were just seen as second-class citizens or maybe even worse so the idea right. of francis Wimette, this amateur and this caddy you know even playing in the tournament was just a foreign concept to most of them and he was clearly under underestimated, like to the nth degree. But the one person who took him seriously was Harry Varden, the guy that ended up losing to Francis. So it's it's a fantastic movie with a great story and a great message. It's oddly pretty funny, mostly coming from the character Ted Ray, but you'll just have to see the movie to understand what I mean by that. So just to put the period at the end of the sentence, uh, the greatest game ever played, super underrated, especially in terms of the sports movies that Disney were putting out around that time, and uh, and go check it out. Yeah, I definitely will, because I really like, I have one on my list, I really like these sports movies from Disney. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of I'm probably more of a fan of sports movies than I am a fan of sports. Not not maybe, I definitely am. Uh, and I, I love movies that just make you cheer, make you feel good. It doesn't matter to me if it's predictable because that's the formula of the genre and I like the genre. And it, I mean, it can be done badly, but for the most part, I'm a pretty easy sell. When it comes oh. to these sort of underdog sports movies, you can cheer, make you feel good about life. And so I'll definitely check that one out. Yeah, one of the, if not the best one, is Miracle, which was directed yeah, by Gavin so O'Connor, who has gone on to direct Warrior uh, and yeah. The Way Back. And I think, because he cast uh, hockey players, uh, not actors, uh, for the team, uh, that was the priority, is to get hockey players uh, over getting professional actors. And I think they actually do a really good job. I uh, they're certainly serviceable at least but i think they do a good job and you know of course kurt russell is great and, and that's an example of everybody knows 
the ending of that movie everyone so how do you make it interesting uh you make the journey interesting not the the ending. not the destination yeah so you make the journey of how they how they how they got there uh and it's really interesting actually uh in uh 30 for 30 uh from espn they did a documentary about the russian team and miracle vice and like what the fallout was for them and it was fascinating if you want to watch something really interesting uh, to count to counter that i'll definitely check that out but to counter that uh hbo did a documentary in 2001 called do you believe in miracles the story of mm-hmm. the of the 1980 u.s hockey team and that it sounds good. did a pretty damn good job of yeah. outlining what was going on in the u.s at the time in the world at the time because after we had we had lost Vietnam, the Iranian hostage crisis had just happened like three weeks or so before yeah. the Olympics, so our morale was at like in the basement. Right. But when the U.S. defeated the almighty Soviets, who were seen as like you know the yeah. final boss of a video game, like they were unstoppable, when they beat them, it was like we're on top of the world. We can do anything, and so yeah. So definitely that's, that's, that's good, good picks. Uh, so my first one that I wanted to talk about is the movie Tuck Everlasting. And this is based on a book uh, and it was released in 2002. And it's really interesting to me because it stars Alexis Bledel. And of course, most people think of her as uh, Rory Gilmore. And her role here is totally different than Rory uh, because you know, Rory is that this, if you watch, do you ever watch the Gilmore Girls? I've seen select episodes, mm. but I know enough to get by. The dialogue is very fast in that show. And the scripts were like triple the length of a typical show. So they just, they go really fast. And she's just way more sort of uh, confident and, uh, and just kind of a, a quick with a response kind of a character in gilmore girls and but in this movie she's way more of a classical character she's very uh even just in her stylings in her beauty she's way more sort of wayfish and and uh just kind of classically beautiful in a that you'd think of with like a, a browning poem or like something from the late uh 19th century kind of a thing and just different than the sort of modern quick talking girl that she is in Gilmore Girls. And she's gorgeous, beautiful. Uh, and she meets this family of, uh, of immortals, basically, that they can kind of live forever, uh, where they, uh, through, uh, the, um, uh, through this, this magic, basically, of where they live. And she falls for the lead guy uh in uh in the in the the young man of the family and she then has to decide what do i do do i uh do i stay with him and live forever or do i is that a happy life or do i actually live my life uh would i want to stay the same age for all time kind of similar to Brigadoon in that way uh 
Bruce Lee Brigadoon, and Jonathan Jackson plays uh, plays Jesse in it, and it has a great cast. Ben Kingsley is in it. William Hurt is in it. Sissy Spacek, Victor and, Garber. Yes, and I don't. Know, I just I really enjoy it. I think it's really good. And I've always said for a long time that I when they cast Kristen Stewart as Bella in Twilight. I thought that was such a mistake because I think they should have cast Alexis Bledel. If you look at her in this movie, not as Gilmore Girls, but as this movie, I think she fits the part of Bella so much better than Kristen Stewart because she's just, I I don't know. I've always felt like they should have gotten somebody that's more classically beautiful and more, uh, and more of a kind of ephemeral type of, of character and actress and and i i think that she would have been way better <laughs> uh, and i i love kristen stewart now as an actress and she's done many really wonderful films but i just think for that role i think she was very miscast as bella yeah i'll um <laughs> i was going to say uh casting kristen stewart in twilight was a mistake not because it's kristen stewart because i think she's honestly right grown as an actress and she's become really good but right. it's just those movies were god awful <laughs> yeah. yeah and i i i think the casting on all the parts i i think it was all wrong i wouldn't have like and it it was just and, and the movies are so simple and so if you have the casting wrong it's just kind of death to it. I it's just the franchise. I mean, I, I, I liked the first two books. I, I genuinely did. Uh, but I never liked any of the movies because I just thought the casting was completely off. I didn't like uh, Rob Patterson as Edward at all. I thought he was totally wrong. I would have cast somebody kind of like a young Tom Welling. I think it would have fit way better. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's neither here or there uh but uh, i i don't know i just think that she's just so beautiful in this movie there's a softness there's an elegance to her that really is great and their chemistry is great and i think uh, it just makes for really good little romance if you like uh it's a little bit bittersweet but i think it's i i think it's good i, I really enjoy it so anyway if you're curious to see a, a different kind of role for alexis Bedell than rory uh, check it out. Yeah, one more point before we move on. Uh, when New Moon came out and they were having the whole Team Edward and Team Jacob thing, yeah, I was just that was just <laughs> everywhere in my school, and I wanted to ram my head into my <laughs> locker because it was everywhere and it wouldn't go away, yeah. and I just wanted it to get lost. <laughs> so, I, yeah, uh, that's when the third book lost me. But the whole love triangle thing, I was just like, oh. Uh, and uh, so, but I, I did like the first two, first two books. But what are you gonna do? Uh, so, what is your next film my, that you want to talk about? My next choice. We're going back to the early fifties to talk about Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Mm, uh, this nice. starred uh, Kurt Russell or Kirk Russell, Kirk Douglas. Uh, James Mason and Peter Lorre, among others, and this was honestly one of the more technologically advanced movies of the day. It won an Academy Award for Best Art and for Best Special Effects. 
even though in my opinion they really haven't aged all that well especially the stuff with the giant squid but it was the early 50s it was it was mind-blowing back then but Uh it only because cgi now is prevalent literally everywhere uh there it is but the movie is based on the book by jules verne and i actually read the book and i loved it and i loved this movie uh it's the story about a scientist uh, a a ship uh, a shipmate and the scientist's assistant who are captured by captain nemo who is this mysterious uh who is this mysterious sailor who who basically has the idea that he wants to destroy the progress of humanity. And the movie does a great job of asking several moral questions. Like, as far as more advanced as we get, we lose touch with the natural world. However, should we progress and should we not? It's where does the line, where does the line go about it? I like that. I like the spirit of that. Oh, and before before I toss it to you, Rachel, I was just <laughs> reading this earlier, and I had and I just thought it would be funny. I should warn everybody because this movie does contain some stuff that may not be sensitive to our current climate. It contains depictions uh, of smoking, specifically of the seaweed variety. So if ah. you are sensitive <laughs> to tobacco and smoking, then this will definitely trigger you. Because apparently showing it in 13 Reasons Why is all right, but saying so in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is crossing the line. But I digress. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is very entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. I haven't seen it for a while, but, uh, you know, it's a classic story. It's an adventure, and uh, I I think uh, it's, well, you know, got a great cast uh and uh yeah i'll have to watch it again it's like i said it's been a while but i i also kind of remember it fondly because the uh the old uh before they changed it to nemo's uh submarine ride the old submarine ride at disneyland used to be twenty thousand leagues under the sea and there was a you got on your little uh nautilus <laughs> and went in and uh so that's that's also very memorable to me uh to get to go on that ride at disneyland so all right very good my next choice is a a comedy this was under 20th century fox uh but it's called dan in real life i guess it's the new thing on the show that i always have to recommend a steve carell movie (laughs) i think that's clear every week uh but i i love dan in real life this is a a uh, romantic comedy about the our family comedy depending how you look at it uh about this widower he has these uh these daughters and uh he's going back to visit his family and uh while he's there uh he meets a woman uh played by Juliet Binoche they have this like moment but it turns out his brother played by Dan Cook is dating said woman (laughs) so things get pretty complicated and it gets more complicated by the fact that he writes a like advice slash dating slash life whatever advice column and so the fact he's telling other people how to live his their lives when he doesn't know how to live his life uh is uh you know is ironic i guess 
and the his the the girls i think there's three girls but there's uh they're really funny especially the the oldest girl is dating this boy and she she's really upset with her dad and she because she has to go on this vacation or whatever and she's like you are a thief a thief of love <laughs> it's funny and uh i i feel like the the family feels very real to me john mahoney diane weist are great as his parents uh you have amy ryan like said um, dane cook is actually decent in this the only thing i would knock it at on is that i don't think that him and julie Binoche have that good of chemistry uh so that hurts it a little bit but nevertheless i think the script is really solid and i really like the family feel of the movie and uh so i i enjoy it and i think it's definitely worth checking out yeah i'll definitely have to check this out especially considering that this was released in 2007 and the office had just started up two years earlier so mm -hmm. this is steve carell and his like the office prime you know this yeah. was when I believe like the first three or four seasons of The Office are like the top tier office. Yeah. Like I love all of The Office, but I recognize that the later seasons were were a definite dip in quality from the first few. Yeah. So, so I'll definitely have to check out uh, Dan in real life. I also love the soundtrack. Uh, it's really, really, really good. Uh, so that's also fun. Uh, so what's your next choice? So my next one is The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. This, uh, this was from 2005, and it's based on the legendary book by C.S. Lewis. I remember reading this book in middle school because I think it was a law around the early to mid-2000s that you had to read the book and then watch the movie afterwards as part of a high school or middle school English curriculum but you could pick better books slash movies to read because I love both the book and this movie. Uh, uh, I think the best way I can describe it is like Lord of the Rings, but maybe for like, like younger kids. There's not as much lore and it's a lot easier to follow. But, uh, but the movie itself is fantastic. Uh, it's got Tilda Swinton in there as the White Witch. She is evil as hell in this movie. Uh, James McAvoy plays, I believe it's a nymph. He has, or it, he's either a nymph or a centaur or he, he's, yeah. he's a fawn. He is a fawn. It, it took me a second, but he is a fawn. Uh, and then of course, Liam Neeson in one of the best casting choices ever as Aslan the lion with his deep booming voice. And it's just, it's just fantastic. Really, I was thinking about this movie a lot and really the kids in the movie played by Georgie Henley, Skander Keynes, William Mosley, and Anna Popplewell really didn't go on to do all that much after this movie. Some of them stayed behind to do uh, Prince Caspian and Voyage of the Dawn Treader, but they never really did any movies after this, which I think is pretty sad because I liked, I liked them in this movie. I thought they were all really good. But um, the chronic, but the line, the witch in the wardrobe is really, is really a special movie. It blends fantasy and magic and beautiful effects with a great score and a really, really good action scene at the very end. It's great stuff all around. Yeah, I think that 
it is a really strong film and i actually have been kind of a defender of prince caspian i have long said that i think that that group of of child actors is stronger than the harry potter kids shocking i know hot take (laughs) but i do i do i think that uh i don't know i just think there are better actors right out of the gate uh as far as your child actors uh they were really good and i think that uh it's just a beautiful story that has a lot of layers to it this first one in particular uh obviously there's a christ metaphor with aslan and i i guess i mean i'm christian so that worked for me and i thought it was moving and lovely and uh and i think that tilda swinton is so fun she she does the villain so well and yeah, uh, i and she's honestly one of my favorite actresses when yeah. uh when the whole Doctor Strange uh, thing with casting the ancient one as a white woman rather than as a Tibetan man, I was sitting there like, I'm not even mad. She's being played by Tilda Swinton. I don't care. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you could do worse than Tilda Swinton. Right. Yeah. No, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> She's great. And yeah, I think it's a really, really good movie. I mean, I, I think people uh, that, uh, um i think that people a lot of people just haven't really thought about it because the movie because the 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 subsequent movies weren't as good uh i like prince caspian really yeah. the voyage of the dawn treader was the one that was kind of so-so but even yeah. the voyage of the dawn treader had one of my favorite entrances into narnia where it's the train passing by and then and then lucy and uh and the other one i'm forgetting his name they enter in through there yeah i mean maybe part of the problem is just there's just wasn't as many of the movies made as as harry potter you know and and, uh that's that's why it didn't have as lasting an impact i don't know but there were seven uh, books made it was uh yeah uh lion the witch of the wardrobe prince caspian voyage of the dawn treader uh the silver chair uh, and i'm forgetting the rest maybe they'll make uh make make more of those i don't know i don't know i i i just i do think that in one hand i think most people have seen this movie but i think that people have kind of forgotten about it so i think it's it's good on your list as a hidden gem but uh so my next choice i said i had a sports movie on my list i do and my next choice is called glory road and this was from 2006 and, oh, I love this movie to pieces. Yeah. So this is about in 1966. Uh, the, uh, the coach, uh, this is in Texas, uh, Texas Western. Uh, they, they led the first all-black starting lineup for a college basketball team in, to the national championships. And this stars Josh Lucas, who I have always really liked. I think it's kind of a shame that he... Uh, he's been kind of relegated to sort of a lot, a lot of times playing the jerk, like in Ford v. Ferrari, uh, movies like that. I, I, You know, for a while, he just disappeared off the face of the planet, yeah. and then he showed up in Ford v. Ferrari. I'm like, holy crap, Josh Lucas, where have you been? <laughs> I think he's done a lot of, like, television work, and but his career hasn't taken off the way that I think it maybe deserves. He's a really charismatic actor, and I think he's very handsome and 
Uh, he was on Breakthrough last. He was in Breakthrough last year, which I actually thought was a, a pretty solid faith-based film. Uh, yeah, one of the, I, I one really of the better ones. It. I never yeah. saw it in the theater, but I saw it at home and I did enjoy it. Yeah, and that will probably end up on Disney Plus one of these days. <laughs> Eventually, I'm yeah, sure. because it is a uh, it is owned by Disney uh, now. But I love you know Sweet Home Alabama. He's so good in that. And uh, anyway, he plays the coach. He's great, really good in it, and it has just a really strong uh, supporting cast, and uh, it's a moving story. It does have some traumatic events that you'd have to talk to your kids about, but I don't oh, think yeah. it's, it's much, much worse than uh, Remember the Titans. I think they're about the same level as far as depicting racism and, and, uh, and that kind of thing, but I think it's a movie you could watch with your family and have a, a really good discussion about uh about racism and uh why people did you know behave that way and and what we can do to not behave that way and uh all of those kinds of things so i, I distinctly remember choice. i distinctly remember seeing this movie in theaters and i went with my mom and dad and you know the scene where uh I believe it was Bobby Joe Hill goes into the bathroom and yeah. he's attacked by the two white guys. Uh, my mom had to like cover my eyes because uh, I was yeah. so young that I, that she was like, you're not seeing that. And I was like trying to go around because I wanted to <laughs> see what, I wanted to see what was happening, you know, yeah. and, and to the poor guy. And, but, but yeah, I love this movie to death. I remember watching it in theaters and I've seen it several times over since then. And it's, it's a really inspiring story about yeah. how it's, and, and what I've always found funny is that the coach at the end, his name is Adolf, Adolf Rupp. And oh, I yeah? just, there's a lot to unpack there that's well beyond my pay grade, but, <laughs> but he's played by John Voight and I tend to enjoy John Voight in anything that he's in, so. Yeah, I mean, John Voight, he has a, <laughs> he's definitely he's definitely taking some paychecks let's i mean particularly the baby genius and brats he's definitely oh, taking some paychecks wait, he was he was in brats yeah he was <laughs> oh <laughs> but, dear lord i know uh but uh but yeah i mean he's an oscar-winning actor uh so i i did notice that if you watch this on voodoo if you have voodoo uh it is available with family play which is kind of their you can uh, you can watch it and, and it helps you skip past maybe the more violent parts uh, or you know language or it just it, it's basically like your cleaned up airplane version of the movie. So if that's something that you that you want, it's not on Disney Plus, I guess that way. But anyway, it is available on Voodoo with family with the family play. So uh, so what's your next choice? So my next choice is from Disney Channel back in the mid-2000s. It is Jump In. Uh, I remember watching this when it debuted because it was teamed up with a show, with the That's the Raven spinoff show called Corey in the House that pre premiered directly afterwards. I remember, I remember all of that. I even remember the commercial bumpers, but, uh, but that's a side road. Uh, Jump In starred Corbin Blue, who was fresh off of playing Chad in High School Musical and would subsequently be him in two and three. It also stars Kiki Palmer, who would go on to have, have a relative success in, later on mm -hmm. in movies. And 
It's about a teenager named Izzy Daniels, who is a really good boxer, but then discovers uh, a love for, uh, for double dutch and jumping rope. And he volunteers to be a part of his neighbor Mary's, played by Kiki Palmer's, uh, double dutch team. But, um, but he gets like, but the boxers are all like, oh, you're double dutch, you know, like that, that's, that's, that's weak sauce. But he still does it anyway. And it's a really, it's a really good movie. It has a nice message. It's got some really well-filmed like jump rope sequences in there with a lot of slow-mo and quick cuts, but in the best way possible. Uh, it's funny on some occasions. Uh, for a Disney Channel movie, it is, it's one of the better ones. Mm. Cool. I have, I'm so far behind when it comes to the Disney Channel original movies. The, the only ones that I've seen quite a few of are the, I would say like the, the more scary ones because I have my Disney scares series that I've been doing now for five years. Right. So I have seen a bunch of those, but I'm missing. I have so many holes in my Disney channel movie <laughs> uh, series uh, watching. So that's something that I could improve. I've heard that one and I heard it's good. Yeah. I've, I was such a Disney channel fan back in the day that I remember watching jump in the premiere night and then I watched the encore the following week, but it had like the gimmick of having like little notes on the bottom. Be like, this was filmed in an alley oh, in Brooklyn. Yeah. I was like, you bet I'm watching that. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I love stuff like that. Uh, all right. Well, my next choice is called Blackbeard's Ghost. This is from 1968. And it's a comedy. And basically, there's this track coach and a play played by dean jones who was a big disney guy uh, in the late was 60s. he the guy from the love book yes yes oh yeah i i, yeah. I see his face now yeah and he he was uh in the um i think in the merlin jones movies anyway he was in a bunch of bunch of movies and uh, but he's in this and he plays this track coach and uh there's uh, he's he decides to stay at this inn called the blackbeard's inn and uh it's he finds this through various shenanigans uh he ends up kind of unleashing the, the this ghost <laughs> this pirate ghost uh blackbeard and uh it, that only he can see and he's played by peter ustinov and he is hilarious and ridiculous and uh it's really pretty funny and uh and so yeah i i think if you like sort of disney live action comedies that are a little slapsticky and silly and funny i think you'll enjoy this one i think it's a good one that most people you know, when the seen. olympics complain about steroids it wasn't steroids it was blackbeard's ghost <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> yeah so people should see it it's funny i think they'll like it especially the the finals the final big scene at the at the track there's a big track meet and it's very oh very silly and funny i think so have you by chance seen any of the kurt russell disney movies like the strongest yeah. man in the world and yes i haven't seen all of them uh but like the uh what is it the um oh the kid invented the computer one the, the computer wore tennis shoes yeah 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 i've seen that one uh, I've seen a number of them, and uh, this one is just really, 
this one's a lot of fun. People should, people should check it out. I do bring it up because uh, in The Strongest Man in the World, one of the main bad guys is played by Cesar Romero, who was the Joker on the Adam West ah, Batman yeah. TV show. Right. Yeah. So uh, you haven't seen this one, have you? Blackbeard's Ghost? No, I honestly had no idea yeah. of, that this movie existed until you sent yeah. me yours, uh, your list when we were planning this yeah. show out. I was like, I have never heard of this <laughs> one, but I was, yeah. I was looking at this and I was like, you know what? I may have to look into this. Yeah, and I'll put a link. I, I have reviewed this one for Disney Scares Month and uh, it, was, it was pretty funny. So I have a review of it on my channel. Well, I'll be sure to, to take a look. <laughs> So what do you have next? Uh, my final choice is Tron Legacy from 2010. Now, I will say that, that when people complain about some of the CGI and some of the story elements, they are largely correct. I'm not going to sit out there and say, like, Tron Legacy is a misunderstood masterpiece. It is by no means a masterpiece. However, I've always liked the movie because my dad and I saw it on Christmas Eve in 2010. And... And we both loved it. And then I, and then I remember just going back to it, and I remember loving the visual effects. Uh, they, the grid is fully realized, and it looks far better than the original Tron that came out in the '80s. They were severely limited by the technology of the time, but when you step onto the grid, it's like this beautiful world of blacks and blues and golds on some occasions if you're fighting the uh, if you're fighting the programs but um the story i will admit does get a tad confusing especially when you bring clue into the mix and jeff bridges cgi like younger self does stand out quite a bit for the wrong reasons but minus all of that I still have enjoyed this movie. It's got jaw-dropping, like, light cycle battles, and and the disc war scene just, I love that scene every time. And it's got one of my favorite Disney scores of all time from Daft Punk. Yeah. So it's definitely one to check out. I really need to watch this one because I love the original Tron so much. I just think it's, I don't know, it's just, I just love, I love everything. I think it's such a cool, unique interesting engaging movie and so i i really at first i was kind of hesitant because i'm like i i really love the original so much uh but uh the uh so that kind of made me hesitant to watch the sequel but i've heard just enough great things i really need to watch it uh yeah it's one of it's one of those movies that people tend to be like uh, I don't know, but when they watch it, it's like, wow, this was surprisingly great. Yeah. Well, my last choice is actually a television show, uh, and I haven't watched that many of the Disney television shows, uh, but I think they're, one of their best shows that they ever had is called Good Luck Charlie, and uh, it's a really well-written, well-done show about this family that uh the you know the kids are older and they find out they're the mother's pregnant and so they're gonna have this little baby sibling and i definitely connected with it even though it's you know obviously for children but i really connected with it because uh, that was my life experience my mom had a baby when i was uh 10 when i was uh 16 and when i was 18 
And, <laughs> and so seeing these kind of teenagers adjusting to life with a new baby, uh, even though I was, you know, I think it started in 2010. So I was, uh, you know, I was older. So the show was not made for me, but I definitely related to the situation of the story. And I thought that the casting was really charming and they felt like a family to me. I felt like it was well-written. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know, I just think it's a charming show uh, that uh, people should check out as nice messages uh and uh and the the humor i think is better than a lot of the uh other disney shows that's at least that i've seen a few episodes of different shows where it's a lot more seems like a lot more over the top and the this felt like normal sort of family comedy to me and uh so i i just really enjoy it and people should check it out yeah i remember watching this watching the reruns of this show a lot on Disney Channel. I even remember uh, the main star. I want to say her name is Bridget something. Yeah, Bridget Mendler. I stink with names, so (laughs) it's Bridget, I know something or other. Right. (laughs) I'll think think of it at like 10 o'clock. Bridget Mendler is her name. Thank you, Bridget Mendler. I was. I remember she was on those <laughs> Disney bumpers where she, they had the magic wand. They'd be like, "Hi, I'm right. mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. from from name of show, and you're watching Disney Channel." And they made the mouse ears with the magic wand. Like that's when you know you've made it, and you're sticking around a while when you're on yeah. those bumpers. But um, I loved this show to death, and I remember. Uh, I remember there was this one episode where the mom was doing this interview, and she was she was like sensationalizing the birth and and all of that and then char and charlie and then and then teddy just snaps and she was yeah. like oh well you know you forgot to ask me about I, how i feel about you know and this that and the other thing and it was a it was it was kind of rough but then it and it was one of those bonding moments between a mother and a daughter yeah. that i was just like oh well that was nice you know it was like it was one of those things where something had to be torn down, but something new was built right back in its place. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a really well-written show uh, that, that feels like the characters are actually kind of real. This feels like a family to me. And uh, I, I think a lot of the other Disney channel shows are a, a lot sillier and that has its place and that's fine. But I don't know. I just think this show is, is, the best thing I've ever seen from from Disney Channel as far as writing and and I I just connected with it because like I said my my mom had had, had babies when I was in high school and, and growing up and stuff so I, I know what that's like and uh so I, I think people should give it a shot it, it's it's a well done show indeed so there we go we did it got our five more recommendations let us know what you think of any of these films that we've talked about their favorites of yours and uh send us your recommendations yes that would be really fun love to hear what you are watching over this crazy time and we will come back with five more uh and uh and that would be a lot of fun so uh so ryan how can people find you so on social media, people can find me, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at RyanCam20. Uh, follow me on Letterboxd, at RyanCam. 
And then my YouTube channel, just go to YouTube and search Ryan Cam's Movie Reviews. It'll take you straight there. Channel's growing every day. I just launched a new series on my channel called The AFI Project, where I, I'll be reviewing every movie on AFI's Top 100 Movies of All Time list. The first episode is up as of this recording. It is for Citizen Kane, what is considered to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest movie of all time. So definitely not intimidating at all. <laughs> but, re but reviews for The Godfather and Casablanca will be coming, coming this week. As well as my review, as well as the Twilight Zone vlogs, which is a running series where I review one episode of the Twilight Zone, that'll be continuing as well because with no new releases, I gotta fill in the time somehow. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be great. Uh, that'll be great. I'll definitely check out that Citizen Kane <laughs> one. It'll be good. Uh, so yeah, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube. And on Rotten Tomatoes, make sure to check that out and check out the Hallmarkies podcast uh, for lots of fun content that we're doing during this time. So uh, thanks so much, you guys. And uh, we will uh, we'll talk again, hopefully next week. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>